following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Thank you, Catherine and Michael. Great to hear the update from you and excited for your work that will uh, be continuing uh, in El Paso. And I would just echo what they said. I was totally blown away by the generosity of the artisan community in uh, all of the um, donations that you made. You brought them to the building and put them out there in the bin and we brought them in every day. Every day it was full. Um, and then some of you mailed things in as well or shipped things in. I, I'm just continually impressed and pleased um, by how much uh, you continue to give in this season. Those of you who are able to um, have really made a difference in the lives of those who are in need. And we're going to continue that um, with this Annunciation House collection. We'll have the bin out front as well. And you can do uh, all of the other ways of supporting that Catherine and Michael mentioned. And the details are on our website. So, uh, I have for you today the uh, Hebrew Bible reading, what we commonly call the Old Testament reading from the prophet Isaiah. And this is from the lectionary passages, which uh, once again I will encourage you to read when you can during the week. And this is uh, Isaiah 40, 21 through 31. And it will become the basis of a, um, a reflection exercise that I'm going to lead you through. So, as I'm reading it, maybe you can calm your bodies and prepare your minds for, for that experience. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? Who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name? Because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So that last verse, Isaiah forty thirty one, is is one of the verses that I memorized as a child, and uh, for, kind of for a weird reason, which I'll explain to you. Um, 
And as I read the, that verse this, this week and uh, that passage this week um, and thought about why I remember, why, why I knew that verse so well, it, I was kind of reminded about how easy it actually can be for us to take a single verse of scripture and sort of slap it onto an idea that we have in our head, uh, whether it might fit or not, <laughs> right? Which is uh, not necessarily always the best way to do this. Let me explain what I mean. Um, when I was a child, I went to this, this extra thing at my church called LTL, right? LTL stands for the Loyal Temperance Legion. So I grew up in a a part of the Christian church that, um, takes the idea of temperance very seriously, which is to say total abstinence from all drugs and alcohol and tobacco. And, um, Interestingly enough, if you didn't know, that historical movement um, of temperance is very closely connected, especially within the Christian world, to the movements for women's suffrage and for the abolition of slavery, right? So, um, you know, some of you are saying, well, two out of three ain't bad. Um, But this is the, the world that I grew up in, and I have many great experiences from that. Um, but in the Loyal Temperance Legion, which was abbreviated LTL, you have to imagine this was kind of like a combination of a very boring scouting troop meeting and uh, um, an and abstinence conversation, right? So uh, maybe not the most like exciting thing in the world, but definitely it was a time to hang out with friends and all this kind of thing and, and actually loved it quite a lot. At any rate, the the theme verse, the motto, if you will, for LTL was Isaiah 40, 31, which I probably could still recite in the King James Version that I'm pretty sure that I learned it in. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Now, it's a lovely verse, but I have no idea what it could possibly have to do with abstinence. (laughs) and with temperance. Um, To this day, I still, I mean, I've been to seminary. I still don't quite get why that was the particular verse that they used. And what I think happened is at some point, somebody in that movement found that that verse was very important for them. I mean, perhaps they were uh, in recovery or something similar, and they they found strength in their their goals toward temperance and, and waiting upon the Lord. That's my best guess. But there's nothing in the passage that would remotely indicate the idea of um, drug or alcohol abuse, right? So I share that with you, n- not to disparage anybody. I, I'm, I certainly want those who have uh, that perspective to feel blessed in it and so forth. But I share it with you because it does sort of indicate to me how the, the scriptures can come to mean things for us um, even beyond what their original meaning was. Now, I do think it's important for us when we're studying the Bible to think about what the original meaning was, but I also think it's very important for those of us who believe that we have the capacity for a meaningful relationship with God through the Holy Scriptures to uh, allow space for the Spirit to speak to us in a particular way at a particular time. 
And what what's interesting about that is it's not always going to communicate to somebody else, right? So you might find a meaning in a verse that's very real for you, comes from the Holy Spirit, and you might share it with me, and it might and I might go well, like I don't see the connection at all. So I guess the caution there would be that we do read the scriptures in community. We would want to avoid a situation where we, where we believe that we've kind of divined a new meaning in a verse or a passage of scripture that's totally inconsistent with the, the, the broader messages of scripture that's not consistent, that's brand new um, uh, um, among the people of the church. Right? So we, we read in community with the global church, which is very important. So that we don't have a you know Western centric um, or an Anglo centric view, we read in community with the historical church, so that we don't have a kind of postmodern centric view of the scriptures. Those things are important, but they don't diminish the real possibility of having a meaningful experience with the Holy Spirit through the scriptures. That's that's different and new for you, and might might be unique to you or specialized to your situation, right? And so I, I want to use this last verse from the Hebrew Bible reading today and suggest a, what might be a new way for you to invite the Holy Spirit's uh, presence in your life. Okay. So this beautiful passage from Isaiah 40 that talks about God is so big and powerful and God made the earth and um, as if it were nothing like there's something like God is so powerful that making the entire known universe was nothing to God Um, this passage that reminds us that people are small like grasshoppers right that the rulers of the earth are nothing that no sooner do they they put their tiny little roots down into the soil of their 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 ruler or leadership (laughs) that the the storms of the Lord blow them away like stubble, right? And, and you know, depending on your political views, you might actually really enjoy that truth at certain times and, and maybe wish it wasn't true at others. But the passage just kind of continually hammers home for nine verses, the idea that God is all-powerful and that people are so lacking in power and we are so weak. And then it connects these two ideas together in verse 31 that says, Those that wait for the Lord, that wait for Yahweh, the God of Israel, they will renew their strength. And I wonder if you've thought about what it means to wait for the Lord. If, you, if I were to say, what does it mean to wait? Um, maybe I should have done that at the beginning. I always love to hear your responses in the Zoom chat. But if, if you were thinking about waiting, you might be thinking about things like, well, I'm waiting for my vaccine appointment finally to open up, right? Those of you who are eligible. Or you might think uh, along the lines of, of other medical experiences of waiting in the doctor's office after you've been admitted because the doctor's ready for you now, except maybe the doctor's not ready for you now and it's going to be 15 more minutes. I hope you brought your phone, right? The last thing we should be doing right now is disparaging those in the medical industry, right? So maybe you're, you're waiting for a mechanic or you're waiting for your food, right? I think this is a different meaning of the word waiting. It's not waiting as if something is late in arriving, but it's waiting in that you are being uh, anticipatory and expectant in your posture. You're, you're expecting to have an experience with God. You're expecting God to visit you in some way, and yet you're not demanding or expecting anything in particular. That's the idea of waiting for the Lord that I really want to kind of draw your attention to today. Um, it's, it's actually right there in the passage, you have this idea of lifting up your eyes. It's, it's maybe you're, you're 
the, the rigors of life have kind of got you with your head down and, you, and, and you're not noticing that God is actually present with you. And the scriptures call us to lift up our eyes. So many times in, in the Old Testament especially, we see that phrase, lift up your eyes. We even sing a song that says that, I lift my eyes to the hills, my help is coming. It's from the Psalms. And you could do that through reading scripture or through prayer or through various spiritual practices. You know, the psalm of call to worship today said that a song of praise is fitting. That's a way to wait for the Lord is to sing. Um, even Jesus prayed. You saw Jesus go out alone, much to the annoyance of those who wanted to find him and demand more things from him. Jesus himself prayed and accomplished things through prayer that presumably he could have done without prayer. Right. <laughs> Very interesting to think. It's all of these things are models for us as we um, try to wait for the Lord. And today I want to teach you one particular way of doing this. And um, <clears throat> it's something called the Ignatian Examine. Now, um, the auto captioner is almost certainly getting this wrong because it's not examine as in like you um, examine uh, a specimen or something. It's examen, e uh, x a. M-E-N. And this is a, a prayer technique and a reflection technique that was kind of pioneered by St. Ignatius, who was a Catholic spiritual reformer. During the time of the Protestant Reformation, there were Catholics who also wanted to reform the church without uh, abandoning it, right? And so one of them was St. Ignatius, and he wanted to reform the spirituality of the church. And so he came up with this idea of the examine, the prayer of examine. And it's been 500 years people have been doing this type of prayer. And there's a million different ways you can spin it and do it in, um, in ways that are more targeted to this or that idea. The simplest version of it is simply to notice how you have been present with God and how God has been present with you. And you might do that at the end of the day, thinking across the, the previous day. You might think it, you might do it at lunchtime and think about the morning, right? You might do it once a week and think about the week, right? So, so there's a lot of different ways to approach this. Um, and today, uh, I want us to think about uh, the last, oh, I don't know, let's say a year, right? Not that there's any important anniversary coming up for us in uh, the world, but this particular version of the Ignatian Examine that I'm going to lead you through for a couple of minutes here is from uh, this book, which was recommended to me by my spiritual director. It's called Reimagining the Ignatian Examine by Mark Thibodeau. It's a little thin book. And it has 30 different versions of the prayer of examine. The, the idea being that you could do one a day for about a month and um, then return to the ones that are meaningful to you and let the other ones go away. All right. So the particular one that I'm going to lead you through right now is called A Shift in My Spirit. And it asks us to think over the past. Like I said, let's, let's just go with a year, though you might prefer to do a shorter or even longer term. Um, and to think about uh, how there might have been a shift in your spirit during this time and what that might mean, whether it's on balance, good or bad or something in between. All right. Um, so here, here's what we'll do. 
Um, all of these prayers in this book say, I begin in my usual way. So I don't know what that looks like for you as you prepare yourself for a prayer or a moment of reflection. It might be something to do with your physical posture or position. It might be that you do something to clear your mind. Um, You can close your eyes if that's helpful to you. Whatever it is. But here is the Ignatian examine called A Shift in My Spirit. And I think it's really fitting for us as we try to do what the prophet Isaiah calls us to, to wait upon the Lord so that we can renew our strength. So first we're going to spend a few moments in gratitude. And I encourage you to thank God for one or two of the blessings, could be big, could be small, that you've received today. What's a blessing you've received today, big or small? And next, looking over the past few weeks or months, or like I said, maybe even a year, ask God for the grace to see any shift that may have occurred in your spirit. Now, I need you just to know, I should have said this at the beginning, I'm sorry to interrupt you with this information, but in the Ignatian tradition, the word grace is a broader term than is usually used in the Protestant tradition. We think of grace in the Protestant tradition simply meaning that um, the way we're saved is not by the work that we do, but by the good grace of God. And that's certainly true in uh, the Ignatian tradition as well, but a grace in, in the way that he uses it can mean any good gift that comes from God. So in this case, the good gift that you're um, asking for God to give you is to see any shift that might have occurred in your spirit over the last period of time. For example, have you grown more despondent? Have you snapped at people more frequently? Are you quieter than you used to be? More at peace? Do you laugh more? Do you sleep better or worse? Have you grown confident, lazy, anxious, needy, prayerful, loving, forgiving, despairing, pessimistic, etc. What shift have you seen in your life recently, in your spirit? Now it's possible that you have identified several shifts in your spirit. And so the next step is to ask God to reveal to you the most influential one and to begin to zoom in on that one. As you do that, ponder whether it's a good shift, a bad shift, whether it's a mixed bag. Ask God to show you how this shift has played a role in your life and to show you a godly perspective on it. And to show you how God has been present in this shift. And then ponder, in what ways has this shift not been from God? Take a minute and do that now. Now, for those of you who have identified a shift that you would describe as negative, 
there might be two different ways you could respond to that and two different things you could ask God for. Some of you might want to ask God for forgiveness. And others of you might want to ask God for healing. For any shift that has, that has not been from God, take a moment and ask for forgiveness or healing, or possibly both. For those of you who would have described your shift as a good thing, as something that is from God, that has had a good impact on your life, spend a good long moment in thanksgiving. Thank you for this growth, Lord. Thank you for healing this wound. Thank you for giving me the grace to move on. Thank you for letting me feel more confident about myself. Whatever it might be, spend a moment thanking God for that. And then as we get closer to the end of this Ignatian examine, I encourage you to ask God to show you what you are called to do about this shift. For example, you might feel called to feed the shift, right? The working toward growing further in that direction. Or you might feel called to shift the shift, right? In other words, to work toward changing course, adjusting your attitude or your behavior, that kind of thing. And then maybe you'd be thinking about, is there anybody, maybe a spouse or a trusted friend or a spiritual director or pastor that you should speak to about this shift? So what are you called to do and who are you called to be in light of this shift that you've experienced? Take a moment and ask God to show you that. And then lastly, if you are feeling called to do so, maybe make a promise to God to do what you've been called to do, to be who you've been called to be in this particular area of your life. What would you promise to God if you were called to do that now? Now, I love the Ignatian examine because it is so personal. And I also love doing this in community with other people. In fact, if, if you came to the brief um, in-person group that I led uh, around the holidays, um, you know that we used the Ignatian examine as a model. And it was really, really interesting to hear the insights of others who've had 
um, different experiences with God than I've had. And most of all, I love this type of prayer because it's a it's a reminder that I seem to need every five seconds <laughs> that God actually is present with us all the time. And the problem is usually not God's absence, but our failure to notice that presence. Which is not to say that there aren't dark nights of the soul and periods where God seems distant or absent, because those are real things. Um, but taking a moment each day or each week simply to notice how God has been present with us and how we've been present with God is a really powerful thing. I encourage you to continue to try to do that on your own. Let me conclude with this prayer from the Galatian Sacramentary, which is uh, an old prayer book. O God, whose never-failing providence orders all things both in heaven and earth, we humbly beseech you to put away from us all hurtful things and to give us those things that are profitable for us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.